I am talking about something in this episode that has been somewhat infuriating to watch, but I really do believe that this has produced a very critical cultural moment. And this whole thing has sent a shockwave through black theological streets within the church and the academy. And when I tell you that this has been a polarizing phenomenon, baby. And in some sense, I feel like this is exactly what Kanye West was going for. Welcome to Modern Faith, a podcast for the spiritual nourishment for today's millennial woman of color. I'm your host, Reverend Dr. Nichelle Guidry. Thanks for being here. So as I'm sure you've guessed from the trailer, I am talking about Kanye West's recent album release and the preceding Uh, church promotional tour that he went on. And I have a lot to say, so I'm going to just jump right in. Let me start here. I don't feel like that it, it is enough for me to say that as someone who has a formal theological education, that I'm enraged by this clear manipulation of Christian people, particularly Black Christian people, and this bastardization of Black church culture. Because from where I stand and how I see it as an institution, the Black church has long been compromised by people just like Kanye West, Black people who had a gift and recognized it and used it for their own capital gain, Black people who could, in one breath, throw their own people under a bus, yet capitalize off of their genius, their culture, and their brilliance. How self-hating is that, by the way? Black people who chose the route of orient and orientation of colorblindness, mostly because they had arrived to a particular point where they themselves had achieved a particular level of wealth and social mobility. Black people who recognize that people are inherently spiritually thirsty and utilize spirituality and spiritual means to meet a real need while glorifying their own ego and sort of manipulating uh, the ways that people are often, um, by virtue of their spiritual hunger, looking for people to attach themselves to. I'm thinking of certain cult leaders throughout the history of this country. The Black church has been compromised by all these people, Black men who conflate salvation with wealth and go on to preach a prosperity gospel. The list literally goes on of the kinds of people who have emerged and sort of positioned and posited themselves as spiritual leaders in the Black church. And I want to say here that the normativity of what Kanye West doesn't make it any less problematic. The fact that he's not the first person to do this doesn't make it any less problematic. But I feel like I wanted to engage this is because this is happening in our era. It's happening before our eyes. And um, it needs to be dealt with because it's a problem. And I kind of wanted to explain why. 
And so to do this, I want to start at the beginning. Last year, I don't know if you all remember, but Kanye started out doing these Sunday services um, at various locations in Los Angeles. These were exclusive, invitation-only weekly uh, concerts, if you will, that, according to Variety magazine, quote, had become the most prestigious, highly coveted invitation among LA's greater music community. Not quite sure what greater music community quite means here, but I don't think it's far-fetched to say that it's the elite. Um, and in the article that I read in Variety, and I'll be sure to put it in the show notes for today, there are eight things to know about the Sunday services that Kanye West produced last year in Los Angeles. And the exclusivity is <clears throat> only one of the problematic aspects of it. There is this pre-service, there was this pre-service brunch that happened that some of the musicians and singers were invited to attend, but many were not. There was the non-disclosure agreement that attendees had to sign in order to actually attend, which in my opinion is kind of antithetical to the message and the mandate of the gospel to go out and tell the whole world about God's goodness. In fact, the whole enterprise of the Sunday services, um, you know, was a little, was, was an abomination to me. Um, why the, why it had to be invitation only, you know, considering, um, the lowliness of Jesus in the gospels, um, it just seems really incompatible in, in my eyes and through my lens. But I don't know why more black people weren't talking about these services as they were emerging. I spoke to several colleagues and friends around that time and I asked, um, you know, where do you all see this going? Like, is this something that we need to be paying attention to? Because not long before that, Kanye West had gone off at the mouth saying all kinds of foolishness along the line of our ancestors chose to be enslaved for 400 years and that we as Black people haven't had any culture, not to mention the fact that he rolled up into 45's White House with a red MAGA hat on talking about, I love this guy. And when I put this hat on, I feel like I'm a superhero or whatever it was that he said. And so there was probably on his part some sense or maybe on his management's part that um, you're about to lose the black folks. And then, you know, his next move had to do with Jesus, had to do with black church. You know, um, Kanye West had become a loud and very ignorant supporter of 45 and all of his racist, xenophobic, misogynist, you know, rhetoric and policies, um, even going so far, as I said, to where that hat, which in my opinion has really become to me symbolically synonymous with white supremacy in 2019. I know when I see somebody wearing that hat, I'm like, stay away from me and I'm stay away from you. You keep your peace. I'm going to keep mine. And it was egregious to me. And it's impossible to separate his behavior from his art. It's the same reason why I don't listen to R. Kelly or attend New Birth or listen to James Fortune and why it's so hard to be a womanist who genuinely loves her people and wants to see all of us get free. 
And for women like us, it's not possible to consume a person's performance without taking their public witness into account and into strong consideration. And for so many men, it's a known fact that they're anti-Black, that they're misogynoiristic, and yet in the name of religion, so many of our people are willing to overlook the egregious to partake in the sensational. Our religion has long served as a means of numbing us to the realities that plague our existence. And they coerce us into oblivion. They trap us into this cycle of looking over, looking past, and silencing as, and even ultimately forgiving, as we've seen in Charleston and Dallas, without any accountability on the part of offenders. And I talked about this on a previous episode of Modern Faith. So if you're here and you haven't heard, please go back and listen. But here it is again, you know. Once again, I had this question of like, why are Black people so willing to overlook this stuff? And how has our religion been used to actually aid and abet our dehumanization? Well, there are those of us who would say that the entire enterprise of Christianity has been doing this to Black people. And in some respects, it certainly has. And this is why I and many others beside me and before me espouse a more radical Christianity that sees the spiritual, moral, ethical, and even the sacramental value of just telling the truth to power. <laughs> and so as all this has em- was emerging, you know, these Sunday services, I had two thoughts, right? My thoughts were, he's trying to get back right with Black people, Or he's got an album coming down the pipe and he's trying to create a buzz for it. As it has turned out, perhaps it's both. But what I think is even more dangerous is that I think that he's probably even going to leverage whatever capital he gains with Black church people to push 45's 2020 run for re-election. And I just, it makes me sad to see all these Black religious people, including Black religious leaders, pastors, very well-known, visible, with large platform pastors, just be lulled to sleep by the countenance of celebrity. People, I know that people love to be associated with what's hot and what's popular and people who are powerful, but even Jesus said it to his sleeping disciples right before he was crucified. Be alert at all times. Watch and pray so that you don't succumb to the evil that's about to take place. And it appears to me that we are so easily put to sleep (laughs) by dope beats and celebrity. So I digress. A couple of months ago, after the Sunday services in Los Angeles, Kanye West began to take his Sunday services on the road to several Black megachurches. First stop right here in Atlanta at New Birth, where none other than Jamal Bryant is the pastor. Um, Yes, um, Jamal Bryant of the homiletical fame of these hoes ain't loyal and I'm still the man. 
And from there, he went to fellowship in Chicago and Greater Allen in Queens, which I found quite surprising. Then um, he hit up um, the Howard University homecoming, which I have found all of it quite shameful. There was also the stop that he made in, um, God, what was that state that he went to? Um, Where all of the Latter-day Saints are. Y'all know where I'm talking about. And it was amazing to see just how easily these Black pastors and institutions just handed their platforms over to someone who is a known anti-Black. You know, and for the record, I have to say that a Black person who aligns themselves with a political regime that is actively trying to kill Black people, poor people, brown people, queer people, um, and someone who would go so far as to say that our ancestors chose to be enslaved, to me, has all the markings and trimmings of an anti-Black person. And it's, you know, it was amazing to see how these Black institutions just handed over their platforms to this person. And it's still not clear if there was any financial financial gain involved for any of these institutions. But even if it were, um, did anybody's grandmama or grandfather ever say, like, all money ain't good money? So I just, yeah. So I'm still on the fence about the church because having worked in the church, having had a grandfather who was a pastor in a Black Baptist church, and being a researcher on Black church culture, specifically rape culture in the Black church, I feel like I almost know a little bit too much um, about how the church functions to have full confidence in the church as it is. And I say that as um, a critique of the church as a whole. I have actually had some incredible dealings with some local congregations um, that to me just really embody and enflesh uh, what the gospel means in, in their loving and hospitable ways and in the ways that they combine their gospel imperative with their justice imperative. And so there are some local congregations that still give me hope. But institutionally, I really have my questions about the Black church. But aside from those questions and sort of what I kind of think and believe, What I also believe is that there are scores upon scores of Black people who still not only attend church, but who believe in it, who love their Black church, who love their pastor, who would give their last to their churches. Um, The community of the church holds them up. They locate so much of their hope, their perspective, and even their very identity in their church. They purchase pews and bricks during capital campaigns. They leave entire estates to church endowments. They cook meals on Sunday. They put a little something in the hands of the college students who come home on break, and they will faithfully serve in some capacity until they transition over into the hereafter. And so for this reason, and because of these people, I just find it horribly sad to see the abduction of Black theological aesthetics and the sacred significance of the Black church to the faithful. 
for whatever Kanye's capitalist self-aggrandizing purposes might be. So coming up into the present, um, he's now dropped his album as of last week. Um, the album is entitled Jesus is, is King. And all week long, I have read various responses ranging from, I haven't even listened and I won't listen to, this is really going to help so many people who are unchurched and who've been turned off by the church. Okay. Okay. And I fall into the former category. I have not listened to the album for almost the same reason that I don't walk into a lot of churches. Because when the pastor is known for spewing ignorance, why step foot in the building if you have to brace yourself and prepare to be barraged by some word or some sentiment that's going to have the absolute opposite effect of what church is supposed to do? The church is a hotbed of theological violence and malpractice, and therefore many people just don't go. They opt not to attend. And in a similar vein, I have, at least for the time being, I'm open to changing my mind, but I have opted to not listen to this album because as a Black woman, I don't feel like hearing my ancestors be disrespected. And I don't feel like hearing a powerful um, cultural icon Um throw my people under the bus while profiting from our brilliance. Once again, I just don't feel like that's going to be spiritually nourishing for me. Um, and I'm looking for more from whatever gospel music I listen to theologically um, than Kanye West can offer me. Um, but more so, before I put any money in his pocket by consuming his art, I am looking for Kanye West to give Black people more than some testimonial and capitalistic fad album. All of this is like that, to me, all of this is like that lover who screws up. And rather than admitting it and apologizing, they just want to call you up, trying to be sweet. Hey, baby, what you doing? And want to do all this sweet and kind stuff for you rather than coming through the front door and saying, I messed up. I'm sorry. How can I make this right? Because that would be too much like right. I am looking for an acknowledgement that from Kanye West, that I messed up. I've been disrespectful to our people and our ancestors, and I've left my community hanging in an era where I could have aided in our collective survival. Instead, I have chosen to collude with empire and become a part of the very principality that slaughtered Jesus on the cross. Until then, I am good on Kanye's Jesus because that Jesus is not my king. Jesus I choose to follow is more in the line of the Jesus that is depicted in Howard Thurman's Jesus and the Disinherited. And I got an episode coming on that. That Jesus is king. And to flesh out this point, I want to refer to a video that I saw this week where Kanye West was talking to late night host James Corden on a plane with his choir, and I have to admit, the choir sounded amazing. They can really sing, they go all the way off. Just like black gospel music has long been known to do. 
And there are a couple of things that he want that he said on this video that I just as I'm wrapping up this episode, I I really just want to correct because my fear is really that this is more than just a popular cultural moment, but it's that it's a dangerous cultural moment because this particular person has a massive platform and whatever theology he does is bound to become popular theology. It's bound to, um, if you will, it's bound to pastor some people who, once again, are spiritually malnourished and who are clinging and looking and desperate and yearning for something that resembles some spirituality. I just think this is da- this is a dangerous moment. And the best that I can offer is some corrective theology. So there are a couple things I want to address that he says in this video, and I'll link this in the show notes as well. He says, God wanted me to suffer more and for people to see my pain before God could ever reward me. Wrong. In fact, Black people have long had a fascination with suffering. In fact, we have had a loving relationship with suffering in the name of Jesus. Many of us have long thought that in order to be like Christ, we have to go through the same thing that Jesus went through and not the redemptive things and not the not the parts of the gospel that are life-giving, but we have to go through the worst part, the crucifixion. Um, and we always harp on that, like... Give me my cross, Jesus. He, you got to have a cross if you want to wear a crown. You know, and where has that ended us up? Jesus also said, I have come that you may have life and that more abundantly. Where is the life in, in, in our lives? Where is life springing forth from? We all have to suffer. This human experience, this experience of black women is already laden with suffering. We don't have to invite more suffering in order to be like Christ. We do not have to invite more suffering in order to be free because Jesus already did that work on the cross. We don't have to do it again. Our history, our shared history is so rife with death and suffering. We don't have to suffer to be like Jesus. The next thing that he says is, I made it this far by not listening to people and I don't want advice from anyone. Oh, word. Okay. Seems to me that if you had somebody talking to you, you might not have made a whole bunch of the decisions that ended you up in the place that you're in. All I'm saying is that there are such a, there's such a thing as the um, the great cloud of witnesses. There's such a thing as community and the fellowship of kindred minds. There's such a thing as ancestors. There's such a thing as mentors. There's such a thing as models. There's such a thing as parents, grandparents, aunties, uncles. The list goes on that God gives to us to provide counsel and wisdom so that we can live our best lives. Even God's word says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not to your own understanding. 
In all your ways, acknowledge God, and God will direct your path. It's saying, you know, you have a very finite uh, storage of, of wisdom, you know? And there are others that God gives you that have been there, done that, who know a little bit about this thing called life. And if you ask them and if you humble yourself, if you sit at their feet long enough, they will make some impartation into your life to steer you in the right way. Listen to the elders. And as far as this prosperity idea goes, the man said with out of his own mouth, I made $115 million last year and I was still $35 million in debt, but look at what God did. I then got $68 million in tax returns. Even the host looked at him like, and you think that your newfound faith is the reason why you, and he says, yes, it is why I am successful. Okay. We've seen this. We've heard this before. This is Prosperity Gospel 101. And let me not be the one to say that God doesn't add financial blessings to some people. I believe that God is the source of some wealth. But in this country, wealth is mostly sourced by greed, which is the very antithesis of the God that's presented in Jesus. Jesus was so poor that they had to borrow a tomb to bury him in. Jesus was poor his whole life. He was a nomad. He was a homeless nomad. And he even told his disciples, don't take anything for your journey. Don't acquire a whole bunch of stuff that's going to slow you down and that you're going to become beholden to. I need you to be free for this journey and rely on the kindness of strangers And I'm not saying Jesus in the same way that I'm saying God doesn't call us to suffer. I'm not saying God calls us to be poor, but I do know that poverty is rampant already, particularly in the black community. And I'm I'm troubled by this, this prosperity gospel, and I've long been troubled by this prosperity gospel because there's never a pivot in the prosperity gospel towards Okay, and now what are you doing with your wealth to benefit your people? The prosperity gospel is literally all about self. It's all about self. And we really need to remember that, I don't even know, was it two years ago, 45 and then passed that tax bill that gave those outlandish tax cuts to the top one to two percent of this country. Let us not be bamboozled that whatever that tax return that Kanye West is referring to, whatever it is and wherever it came from, it came from the very political regime that he has outspokenly supported. And let's not even get into at whose expense and at whose loss that tax return came. Finally, once again, I just want to underscore that your freedom means nothing if you're the only one who's free. This next episode of Modern Faith is going to talk about the spiritual 
lessons that are present in Harriet, the film, which is a necessary counter-narrative to this entire Kanye West phenomenon. And I'm going to get into why in the next episode. So I am signing off, but there may be somebody who's wondering, wow, Nichelle, why are you doing this episode? I thought Modern Faith was for the spiritual nourishment of of Black millennial women. And I want to say that um, it is. And I also think that there's a value in troubling the waters, that spiritual nourishment and even walking and professing to be people of faith, particularly Christian faith, doesn't always feel good. As we see in the message of the cross, I'm not saying that we have to suffer again, but what I'm saying is that we owe it to ourselves to be more critical. We owe it to ourselves to raise some standards of accountability. We owe it to ourselves to raise some standards of accountability and restitution from the people who do evil in God's name. And I no, I'm not saying Jesus King is evil because there's worse, but I will say that the creator of Jesus is King is in collusion with evil. And we need to be critical of that. There's room in our Christian tradition for that. So that being said, I know this was a firecracker episode of Modern Faith, and I have to say I am fired up. But I'm fired up because I really want to see us free. I wish we weren't so easily lulled to sleep by beats and celebrity. Um, I've read some really incredible um, work um, on this, and I'm going to share that in the show notes. And I'm wishing you all a fantastic week. And what else I'm going to put in the show notes is stuff that you can listen to instead of Kanye West's Jesus is King. So until next time, y'all, be modern in your faith. Ask all the hard questions. Posit all the hard thoughts. Because you, just as much as anyone else, deserves to walk in the brilliance and in the intellectual acuity that our ancestors died for you to possess. Keep the faith. We've come to the end of this episode of Modern Faith. Thank you so much for tuning in. And please take just a second to rate and subscribe to Modern Faith on all of your preferred podcasting platforms and check us out on the web to be able to contact us and find more information at modernfaithpodcast.com. Thanks again for tuning in and until next time, keep the faith.